0: Two wins on the bounce. Charging up the fucking table. Port Flagelade, let's go. Hey, this is the Eastside Johnny Big Redemption Light. no you know what I'm talking about? Hold up. Whoa, 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 whoa. did once again two in a row uh, the lit, lids off and all that stuff no it's not off it's um I was being a little um, over dramatic at the start but you know gotta enjoy the wins you gotta take the wins when they come You gotta, as, as we, equally as you have to have to uh, cop the losses when they do come which we have done plenty already this year but um yeah a win um, a real tough one ugly to watch um really <laughs> really quite funny I was on so I was um being um Slightly mentally insane as I am, was going to throw the uh, just the KO mini, um, like the um, the broadcaster over here, the mini match on just before, just to have a quick squeeze at just you know it's about a twenty minute highlights real kind of thing. Um, have a look that they don't have one up for our game. They have the full match on replay, which is just standard, but they don't have a KO mini up. But they, uh, I, then I discovered there's this new thing called the KO Bite, which is a five-minute highlights reel. And my theory is that because they don't have a KO Mini, as they usually do, like every fucking match has a KO Mini. It's just normal. So to not find one today on this Monday, um, the 2nd of May, a couple of days after, it's not like they haven't had the time. There's matches since that have got KO Minis up. I can only assume that they couldn't find enough highlights to make a KO Mini, so they just did the Bite and said, fuck it, that'll do. <laughs> um, which, fair enough, KO, fair enough. Uh, so yeah, it was... Um, yeah, uh, clearly it was an ugly match, uh, marred by. All uh, well, the conditions were a major part of it. It's hot, it's humid, it's slippery. Um, there was a bit of rain around, but it was mostly just the conditions of being in the in the tropics. Uh, a lot of you know a lot of dialogue about you know all right, let's burn the tape. Never, um, never shall we see a game in Cairns again. All that stuff, which you know I certainly understand as far as the spectacle of footy goes, but, and maybe winning gives you a bit more. Um, Happiness and then you can kind of accept the result a little bit more and just be a little bit more aloof about everything going on. But, you know, it's one of the beauties of our game is there's all sorts of different conditions you play. And, you know, you go play in Melbourne in the middle of winter at the MCG, you're very likely to get, you know, doused in rain. Um, Ad- Adelaide Oval equally as much so. And then if you play in Brisbane or the Gold Coast, you can get humidity and, and torrential rain as well. Um, which could make for some ugly footy and unless we're gonna go playing in domes and all that stuff, which I certainly don't want to do. You know, it's it's fun, you know, when you go to Marvel, I guess apart from Shipfield and all that stuff. Um you know, it's it's fun to play and know that you're not gonna have to worry too much about conditions, but it's also one of the one of the fun parts of our game, um, and, and one of the beauties of our game and many other sports around the world as well. Um, playing outdoors is the conditions are part of it. It's part of the the uh the beauty and the chaos of of our of our wonderful game that you can that the, the conditions can be and you know sometimes the conditions can be conducive to you know a nice day um can be conducive to a wonderful spectacle of the sport and sometimes what we saw in Cairns um this weekend on Saturday nights uh can be um a true grind and one for the purists as they say. Um, it, well, yeah, but it wasn't enjoyed. Look, it's, it's something of the AFL what really wants to look. You know, we saw an an, um, an opposite effect last week uh, when the Crows went over and not to talk about them too much in this podcast. But when they went over to Ballarat and played, and they they moved the Ballarat game instead of being in August, when we've experienced a few times when it's blistering cold in Ballarat and, and horrible windy conditions. Um, they moved that game to a, a, earlier in the year and got a got a great crowd and a, and a pretty good um game of foot. Oh, I watched the game of footy. I assume it was a decent game of footy. Uh, just a lot more aesthetically pleasing, as well as probably just pleasing for the punter on the sidelines. Uh, so whether that's something the AFL looks at if they're going to continue this um, Cairns, which you know it's it's cool that, that we have a game in Cairns. You know, the far north Queensland, um, is you know it's a part of our country, obviously, and it's just it's wonderful to play games at different air er- in different places. So whether there's a way around um, the conditions or if it's just um, something that's going to be a part of it, you know, some people are going to not want to go up there ever again, and I can certainly understand that. I didn't hear too many. Great reports out of the stadium or anything like that from the people I saw chatting about it on Twitter, but um, it is also wonderful that we do get to see different parts of the country um, in the sport and all that stuff. So uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to spend too much time shitting on it as much as some people might expect, um, but it certainly wasn't didn't make for a great spectacle of footy as we saw um, low scoring. Uh, well, not any scoring shots, just low scoring. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it wasn't great for the the footy, but, um, we got the win, so that's the ultimate thing, and I think it was a great, um, a wonderful testament to kind of the slow, kind of, rebuild into the season that Port Adelaide we are having at the moment. Um, players are clearly a lot more, in, well, it's not that they weren't invested, I think there's two games that i look at and just go, that was, um, horrific, um, and that is the the Hawthorne game and the and the Melbourne game both were like the Melbourne game. If you go back and listen to my review of that, I was I was quite damning on the just the complete abandonment of our principles as a club and as a footy club that has been competing at a pretty high level the past couple of years. And then the Hawthorne game was just insipid and and quite embarrassing and um, not something I don't want to really go back to again. Um, but you know we've seen and look there's there, and there's been different issues at different times. You know the, the first half of the Carlton game was hor- horrifically embarrassing as well. Um, and not being able to close out the Crows in that showdown. was um, There's different issues at different times that are, that are plaguing our club at the moment, but what we've seen over the last few weeks is um, from halftime of that Carlton game is, is a bit more investment, um, and it's not to say that I don't think players are invested, it's just about whether there's a little bit more cohesiveness starting to build, um, the coaching is getting through, uh, and whatever else. Still, obviously, um, two losses in doesn't change the fact that I've, I've got like, my questions about the overall... Uh, product as far as the, from coaching down, but um, you, you know the results on the board um do help um assuage those kind of uh those demons that linger at the back, and you start and you know while they're there, you're still going to support and have hope um and just keep going forward and hope that everything um gets better. So this result kind of was um you know we had a great game last week and good conditions um against the West Coast at home um good conditions to kick, kick a high a good score line. And uh, and and get away with a nice percentage boosting win, um, which has helped um, bump our ladder position up. Our percentage uh, for a team in our position is actually not too bad. Um, so, but then this week against the Saints really was a it was a battle for uh, in a completely different way. It was a grinded out gutsy 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 win um, that um, kind of saw some of the the things that we've been asking for out of our. Out of our boys, um, come to the come to the fore, uh, and I'm going to look at a few, just the amount of um, different ball winners we had. Um, so looking at the players that uh, uh, posted 20 possessions or more for Port, uh, Sam Palpepper, Trent Demond, Riley Bonner, Travis Boat, Connor Rosie, Dan Houston, Zach Butters, Carl Aiman, uh Ryan Burton, Ollie Wines. Did I say Pepper? I did. Yes. Yeah. Pepper was the first one. Yeah. So what's that? That's three, uh, seven, nine. Nine of our players went 20 disposals or more. Um, no one over thirty either, but it was just a good spread of um of ball winners. You know, Ryan Burton's having a great year, uh just continuing and I think saw someone say that he'd be up there for the um for best and fairest so far and I absolutely agree with that. I also think Sam Pepper is having an incredible year. And I said I said to someone on Twitter in this same conversation about best and fairest front runners at this point, I think what um Power Pepper has done and he's continues to do, and we saw it in this game, just both his his um his tenacity, well, his tenacity has never really been in question. It's been his use of the ball, or maybe overzealous tendencies. Uh, you know, a little bit too rough, or just trying to bust through. You know, bust through tackles or or, or a contact that is just he's not going to and getting caught holding the ball. That kind of stuff seems to refined some of that. He certainly does. He's he's gotten better at breaking tackles or you know stiff arming and all that kind of stuff. He just seems to have a little bit more um, maturity and, and found some extra time, which is just his better ball use and better handling. Found some extra time to make the decisions in those split-second, in those, you know, in the contest that he does. And I found that a really refreshing part of his game. This year. You know, we all put it, he was on notice going into this year about, you know, really having to um, take the step up. And I think he's going into his 100th game this weekend against the Doggies, which is, and, and you know, it's been a, a wild ride of a career so far, but one where I think we we all love him and the team loves him. He's one of those players that really is uh, quintessentially Port Adelaide, and um, just his just his effort. And I, I'm really really e- proud as a fan to see what he's doing this year. And again, this game was this game was probably the one of the ones where you you appreciate the Sam pepper kind of um, impact the most. There's a lot of the dirty work and all that kind of stuff, and and he, and he did it quite well. And I was really um, you know really one of those games you'd, you you. Um, you want Sam Palpepper Pepper in because um it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be you know it's, uh, his kicking might be one of the things that lets him down at times, kicking efficiency and all that stuff. But in this kind of game, we're just trying to get the propel the ball forward and try to find a way to scrap a goal out of stuff. It's just it's kind of the kind of game that his his talents really come to the fore and um and yeah, it was another good game for him and going to game one hundred. He's 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 on his best run of games I think he's had since maybe his rookie year. And um, when you take into account he's he's so much more impactful as far as um, how he drives out uh, the team forward. It's actually probably his best run of games ever when you can net uh, count into that. He was certainly, yeah, certainly had a great rookie year and um, it's probably like a House on Fire, but just with what he's actually, he's, he's learned in his footy over the past five years. Uh, he's just in, in in really, really good touch and really proud of what he's doing. Um, and yeah, like the likes of uh, really actually Trent DeMont, probably the his best game, I think. Um, just, I noticed him more, and I guess maybe it was because I was, you know, you, uh, camera angles in this game are fucking weird too. Don't like that. Um, Don't like we, the camera. I mean, I know it's forced upon them based on the the ground and all that stuff um, with what where they're playing um, and, you know, the limitations of what the broadcast crew can do, but geez, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't a great viewing experience on TV. They're constantly like, you know, flat camera wobbles when they're trying to catch something and just completely missing plays or the commentators are on something and, you know, you're just missing something and... Yeah, not good and uh, it certainly came up today, we we're talking about why nothing's come out of what happened to Finlayson and I just I just said to someone I, was like, I don't think they I genuinely don't think they have the camera to have been able to see what happened to Finlayson. so there's no footage of it, no one saw it, no one caught it. So um unfortunately Finlayson's just been sniped um by the um you know, from the grassy knoll or whatever. Um but you know, he's uh it was I just noticed him on a lot in this game. Um he's a classy operator without being like He's not a like massive, massive accumulator or anything like that. Just a good, classy operator. He was getting in dirty, and it was kind of one of those games that seemed to... Uh, not that I've, I don't, haven't watched him a shitload at the kangaroos or anything, just one of those players I've noticed across the years. Um, and he just, it, again, it was one of those games that seemed to kind of... He, he was able to bring himself into the game all with whatever required, and maybe that's going to help build his confidence as we go forward as well. And uh, yeah, it was just one of those games for the unsung kind of heroes, um, even Bonner getting 22 touches and um, really think Bonner, and this is a, just a segueing um, without notice into another thing about how the, the umpiring just fucking shitted me. There was some, like, even when Robbie got that 50, I don't, I actually don't know what that one was for still. Um, but then there was the 50s against us for blocks and, and, and some weird, weird calls. I think one of the accounts on Twitter that like monitors umpiring said it was umpired poorly, which makes sense. Um, really, you know, and the one that really stood out to me was when Riley Bonner got caught. I think it was at the tackle on Max King. Um, and yeah, he really did put some extra sauce on it at the end, which probably helped sell it as a free kick. But, um, you know, Rosie got dragged down in, in the pocket, um, close to I think when we scored the point that tied it up towards the end of the game, and Rosie got dragged down, and he like the ball had gotten lost long ago. And like to me, those two incidents are pretty much identical in the sense of being. great... T- tackled without the ball, and one was called, one was not. Um, luckily, I, don't, I can't remember if the Saints ended up kicking a goal from that one they got. Uh, I know Max King kicked... He missed a few, and I think he might have missed that one as well, so good um, on him. <laughs> I know in the preview, I was like, oh, it's a bit unfair on the media. From, Fuck, he missed a couple of... Like, that's... that. geez, he shouldn't be missing those. Um, still got some stuff to work on there, Max King, but um, I'm, I'm thankful for his misses this week. Um, but yeah, the umpiring was... Um, Shocking, really. Uh, d- there's just uh, most games, and there was some. I, I even remember watching some when Port, like when uh, there's a couple of ones where I just like looked at, um, looked at the better half, and was like, "We got away with one there." Like, it happened two or three times. It was high, uh, holding the balls or high tackles and stuff. So I know we got away with some, and then they got it, and it wasn't. It's not even like an umpiring consistency thing. Like, oh, the umpire's letting a bit more physically. Like, that was just fucking straight up missing ones, and then calling ones that weren't there. It was just really inconsistent you know, if you're going to umpire a, a certain way or have a certain, you know, plan going into game and it's like, oh, it's leniency or whatever. And then like, you know, the, some, of the, some of the calls were just not taking into account the conditions, like, you know, the ball was just fucking slipping out of hands and the, uh, on the ball and, incre- you know, it's like, well, it's fucking, you know, it's, it's a, a million percent humidity. What the fuck you want, want to do? Like, it's just the, you know, conditional based umpiring should be a thing. And this is why all this umpire descent, umpire descent stuff. I don't, I can't remember if there's any major ones in this one. I think there was. I'm forgetting anyway. Because I'm not going back and see. This is the thing. I wanted to watch the KO mini to get a fair idea of what happened in the game with it, with the hindsight. But I was, I don't know. If I had the time, I might actually go back and watch that full replay, which again, mentally insane. Um, but I, I, I don't have the time, and I was not going to force myself <laughs> to go back and watch it. So I can't remember if there's any descent calls, but. Again, it's it's one of those things that I'm I'm a little hot on it at the moment. It's uh yeah, I get the idea of what they're trying to do for the umpires, um, with the descent stuff, but Jesus Christ. They there that there needs to be accountability for the umpires too. We seem to be taking so much accountability away from the umpires and putting it all in the players to, to be oh, understanding of the game of of how hard it is to be an umpire. Well, it's fucking hard to be an AfL player too. Um yeah, there's a lot of fucking pressure on these blokes to do things, and when umpires make uh, umpire game horribly, um, and th- thankfully, I don't think it had a real um, tangible impact on the result in the end. So luckily, we don't have to talk about that too much. But it's just one of those things I noticed in that game was just it's just we need more. There needs to be some accountability in the umpires. Whether it's um, it doesn't have to be in the game. I, it's good that we don't have players surrounding referees like you do in a you know a high. High-caliber Premier League match or a you know NBA Finals game or something like that. We don't want to see too much of that either. But it's just we need to see some middle ground in what we um maybe some post-game accountability and stuff from that from the AFL. But anyway, horribly umpired. But thankfully it didn't. Um, I, I was pretty pissed off when that Rosie one. And maybe I was being biased. You know, both of them you could you could not call either of them, and I would have been happy. But the fact that the Max King one got called and the Rosie one didn't, I was a little bit I was a little bit ticked off with that. So yeah, one of those games. It was um. Not the best one to watch, both from a um just the spectacle, and that's the thing. On its own, as it just a game was it was, gr- was going to be a grindy, gritty, wet, wet, humid weather kind of game. And then when you throw in some shit umpiring and and all that, it's uh yeah, it's a, it doesn't make for a great spectacle. But we got the we got the chocolates in the end. Um, really a few performances before we get into stats and whatnot afterwards as well. Uh, really happy with what um Ollie Wines was doing. You know, he's he's a couple of games back from his heart condition or. Irregularity or whatever it was, and he was a major ball winner for the night. Um, and kicked a kicked that first goal of the game, which is sometimes you need your, if your midfielder gets in to that situation, the four fifty it's scrap, and sometimes you just need someone that has a has the nows to get just to, just wrap their foot around the ball and see what happens. And it was a, a fortuitous goal, but that's you know you make your own luck sometimes in these situations. So yeah, a really good one there. Um, really happy with what you know. It was wasn't a game for the tall forwards really. Uh, Finlayson battled away. Copping elbows and all that, as I've mentioned before, he had blood coming. He had like a cut under, like next to his eye, for most of the game. It was weird. And there's a few players that, um, few players that came off the field with just fucking cuts all over him, and it just looked like it was. D- and it just shows how tough of a game it was. I think, um, for the players out there, um, Todd Marshall. But you know, Todd Marshall taking that mark and, and a similar a similar angle to that you know the goalie kicked from outside fifty, just outside fifty against the Eagles last week. Um, a similar angle but he was obviously a lot closer in but the pressure at this in this moment was obviously a lot higher um and Todd Marshall really just he's set shot kicking this year I think I think they mentioned I mentioned it on last week's pod uh, I think I probably had it wrong but uh, he's set shot kicking I think when he took that kick they said he's nine goals one from set shots so he, with that shot he's 10 goals one this year so far from set shots incredible um unfortunately it's <laughs> I I was on Mitch Giorgiati's hot last year about how good his technique was and he seems to have He's just... Uh, Giorgiardi's just... His technique seems to have... Well, his technique seems... That he's, his fundamentals in what he's doing when he's running up seem the same. But he's just... He, I don't know if it's ball drop or what it is, but Mitch that shot kicking has been... Has gotten a lot worse at the same time as Marshall's. It's gotten a lot better. So, great for Marshall, but... Um, yeah, Mitch Giorgiati's uh, unfortunately probably... Um, well, he's... I think he... It looks like he could have a calf issue, uh, unfortunately, which uh, we will see what happens there um, with... With that, with Georgiades, I haven't seen too much come out of that since. There's just a few things about um, what they're possible, what's possibly going on, um, that he may be out for a few weeks. So that might um, force a little bit of a break on Georgiades. Though we don't want him, to, we don't want him forced out with injury. Or just maybe, maybe he was the one that needs to go down to the sandfall and just regain a little bit of form again. Um, I probably that probably would have been my takeaway if he wasn't injured. But now he's injured. Um, he, he possibly might be out for a couple of weeks and then maybe has a game in the sand full and get something back and yeah it's not that Finlayson has lit it up beyond last week either but um, it's just George Yardy's being you know what he brings is the excitement the marking and all that stuff and I think it's hard to talk about dropping him because I don't think he I think he can play himself back into form and it's like how much time do you give him and and um and you know he's he's still presenting he's just dropping and dropping some easy ch- and the chess i guess an easy chess mark on a slippery day like but it's just all these things that are happening the the set shot kicking being um a little bit more suspect than it was last year dropping a few marks um just all to me speaks to a player that's just for some reason lacking a touch of confidence at the moment so um unfortunately injury seems to have precipitated um, a, a, a spell on the sidelines anyway, but um, yeah, maybe just a week or two in the sandford would have been coming anyway. If he if he couldn't if, if if these issues continued, um, and especially when he got a big game against the doggies coming up this week, uh, Marshall's absolutely solidified his spot at the moment. His um, his attack on the ball, even in some situations, he again he, he keeps the ball moving. If it comes to his feet, he's got a really great. He did it again this week, I think. Or he just he's he's seems to have – his confidence seems to have grown and he seems to just know his role in that forward line a little bit more, which, again, I have a lot of things, questions about a forward line structure, but um, Todd Marshall certainly seems to have found it. Um, Finn Layson, again, he had a five-goal haul last week. Um, He's He just needs to be – he just needs to get the ball, I guess, and find his way into getting the ball, but um, Marshall being the focal point at the moment is great. And um, so, you know, some great performances there from the forwards. Um, The other one, obviously – Obviously, I'm just going to just cradle the balls and really take it down to the shaft right now um, on Robbie Gray, the GOAT. It's the fucking GOAT. It's Robbie Gray. What more oh, geez, what more can you say about a bloke that, um, you know, earlier this year we're talking, you know, he gets injured at the start of the year and he, he's just saying, oh, it's his last year. And then I, I watch a game like that. and I'm like, Robbie Gray had his fit. like he's 34. Um I was saying to the wife on the weekend, I was just like, oh man, he's, he's, he's older than me, he's still playing, and I was like, well wait, he's the same age as me, which maybe I'm old, I'm just officially old now, middle-aged, um, but uh, he's, um, he's incredible, you well, you watch a game like that, and you go, fucking sign him up for another year, <laughs> his, his body is the only thing, it, it really is, he, the way he takes care, he, I don't know, you know, Boak has famously taken care of himself really well, but Oh, the st- stories about when Robbie came back from his um, that ACL or whatever it was back in fuck was that 2011, 2012? Without looking at it in front of me, you know what I mean. Back that earlier in his career, um, that knee injury, he was out for a year and ever. You know, it's been talked about that you know that year really kind of woke him up to the taking care of your body and everything as you as a player to you know get the most out of your career and it was like a real reset for him as far as his attitude and me- mental attitude towards the game and. All the things that he could that level, he could take him to if he did the right things, and and you see it now. It's just I don't know if he does. You know, Boak is the famous one, but you know, Gray clearly is taking care of himself so well. Injuries, the injuries are, and inf- just unfortunately, he's just got that body that seems to be. He's, you know, his knees are a little bit. You know, he's had some major knee injuries anyway, um, and he's got a few niggles. But you can see clearly in that game just how just one of the most. Footy smart players that exist in this league. He just he, the way he works his opponents, reads the reads the flight of the ball, reads the reads the play and gets and gets leading out into space. Just amazing. And you see in that game, it's such a crucial like a, a tight game, ugly game, crucial game. How he was just sticking chest marks, land that like just beautiful touch on his kicks. He was playing uh, dry weather footy in fucking ninety percent humidity <laughs> up in Cairns. It was unbelievable to watch. I was just just constantly in in awe, jaw on the ground, just awe, just when he was just in some of the things he was doing on and 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 kicking crucial goals. Um, obviously one of them, um, you know, the fifty meter kind of made it a little bit more a little easier. But you know, his first goal of the game was one from a decent angle, and he's just his set shot kicking. Well, I was talking about Todd Marshall's before, but you know, Robbie Gray um, set shot kicking is just um. Actually, the more the angle, the better. Better chance he seems to be. Sometimes you get those occasional inexplicable ones, and I know he missed one on the weekend as well, which was probably the easy, one of the easiest chances he had. But um, ultimately, um, he had the he had the great kick uh, to to um, the 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 miracle point, I guess you could call. I don't know, whatever. Fuck it. Um, the boundary, but he was his foot was on the boundary when he fucking took that kick. Like he was as tight of an angle as it could possibly be when he took that kick to get the go-ahead point. And I was just, and I tweeted this after the game, I was just standing I just stood up going, literally anything Robbie, just, just yelling at the TV, and then I saw it, and you kind of like, because of the flight of the ball and the angle of the telecast, you kind of watch it, and you're like, you're watching, the and your eyes are le- less on the ball and more on the goal line, but he's going to watch the goal line, but where he's going, he runs halfway through the, halfway to the side of the points and then stops, and you're like, all right, he's about to do the arm, to the it's a behind fuck yes in 30 seconds and then and then he gets the ball again you know 20 seconds to go you line like just outside 50 takes a mark and I'm like take the full 30 Robbie and he's smart straight away points at the goals. like I having a shot and I'm like that's game over. Fuck yes Robbie Gray, the the veteran, the veteran now 15 years of AFL experience just an un, like a, a wizard level of knowledge of how to how the game is played. Uh, how it is officiated, how it is played, how to read the ball—all these things came into the fore in just crucial moments. Not like he was a massive ball winner or anything. He, he got some nice clearances out of the mid-middle as well. He was bursting out. You know, his pace was—he had some pace and just all these things. Just what a fucking marvel! And how lucky we are to live in the time of Robbie Gray. Um, Gonna—you just gotta enjoy every moment because there's not—you know—it's it, it, it's, needless to say it's in the twilight of his career, but. Just enjoy every moment he's on the field. Uh, it goes for, same goes for Boak and Cole and all those guys that are coming towards the end. But Robbie Gray is truly one of the most unique, um, uniquely skilled footballers we'll ever see at the Port Adelaide Footy Club and just appreciate every moment because he is an absolute marvel and we're blessed to have him. And, and long may it continue. For, um, you know, If he can stay injury-free for the rest of this year, hopefully knock on wood, um, he can still... You, uh, clearly in this game and, and last week as well, you could know, just see how much of an impact he can still have and how much he has... He does have, and in, in, in conditions like that, he was, he was looked as fit as anyone at the end of the game. So he's clearly got the tank still there and all that stuff. So, yeah, um, a great game from a great game from Robbie. Oh, I fucking love the lad. All right, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta calm down. I gotta, got a little hot here. i um, thinking about Robbie Gray. So gonna take a quick break and then be back and we'll look at some of the stats and um and all that stuff. Alrighty, so after a quick break and just hosed myself down after thinking about Robbie Gray for five minutes. Um one thing before I get into stats, I I forgot to mention, um great uh great defensive performance as well. Um, we we were under siege early in that game, uh with the, you know, Saints kicking the th- first three goals of the game, one goal fifteen after that or whatever the fuck it was. Unbelievable really. Um but a uh, really great defensive performance obviously the under siege aspect comes from you know not w- the ball in the middle and everything is going to create some siege moments for it, for the defense and they held up tall for most for the most part uh know, Saints got three goals three i think um to the s- to the mid or uh, some point in the second quarter um to uh so but it was never under, it never looked like it was in danger of blowing out like we were, the, the ball was coming in there but the, we were holding it down making it hard to take marks inside 50 alier um, and his second game back from the syndesmosis um, injury looked a lot, you know, still, still not quite. He's he's getting close to that kind of um, all Australian Super Saiyan level, um, earlier. and he's just he looked he looked, um, you know, really starting to find his, you know, out a bit out mark again, um, just cutting off line, cutting off kicks into the fifth, you know, cutting off the lines of supply and all that kind of stuff. Um, Tom Jonas had a really, um, I was really proud of his effort as well, and just to, and then around that Cleary, um I think his efficiency rating and through four games is like hundred percent. Um, since he's come back, so he's you know it's starting to just look a little bit more like that defense we had um, you know last year that you know there's a really strong, solid um, almost league leading kind of defensive um stats. And you know when you've got the likes of Burton and, and Houston and Co and um and even Dar- I know Darcy Ben Jones is a, a bit of a hot you know one that gets a lot of scapegoating since his Best and fairest win, um, but he uh, all of them just really um, it, uh, were they were a big part of this win um, so they were the backbone of it. And um, they absolutely deserve their plaudits and their flowers for um a great game. That um, you know, <laughs> think the Saints got a few scoring shots and and missed some easy set shots, but beyond that, it was it was a lot of they were really just trying. A lot of those points were just you know trying to force one through and 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 quick kicks and all that kind of stuff. So it was it was not it was a, a defensive performance that um that was the uh really the backbone of the win. So yeah, now the stats um. My first, the first one that I, I love, um, and really, really love this one. Sorry, my phone's dinging away as I, I, I usually put the computer on do not disturb while I'm recording, but I forgot to do that. I'll do that now. I'll do that now. Um, there we go. Um, so the first one I love. I think it. I think I counted up before. Um, to end the match. So when you look at um the timeline of the match, um, we look at. Uh, I think it was um, the last goal was kicked um just early into the. Fourth quarter. Uh, beyond that, I think it was eleven straight points at the end of the match. So basically, you know, when point we we chipped away um, at the lead by points and finally got ourselves ahead um, by three points. I think we were ahead at one point, and then St Kilda chipped back with four points in a row um, to uh, get the lead, um, and and then we kicked the last couple of points of the match to get ahead again by one point. So eleven straight points to end the match, um, which is just un- is unreal. <laughs> unbelievable actually um to have 11 straight points changed and 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 the last you know sh- it changed the score three times um it was a real back back and forth so uh again not a testament to great footy but uh it was you know a- as a port fan watching the game you couldn't take your eyes off it either it was like uh, i don't know what the you know the metaphors would be you know you know, watching a slow motion car crash or you know you just it was just you, it was ugly but you couldn't take your eyes off it and um and but we certainly certainly deserve it of the win. Um, it, it's interesting looking now looking at the disposal the numbers for the match. Our disposals absolutely equal three seventy five apiece. Um, just the the slight difference in handballs and kicks. We had three more handballs. They had three more kicks. That's the uh um the the running of that. Um uh, disposal efficiency sixty nine percent for us. So we we really stepped it up. I think it was in the second half. Where like at one point in the um. Third quarter, I think they said they mentioned on the telecast we were running at like a seventy to eighty percent disposal. It was like eighty percent disposal efficiency, um, or maybe it was before. I can't remember. It was just something mentioned on the telecast, which again I haven't gone watch b- back and watched the full thing because I do not have time um, in my insanity to do that. But um, yeah, it was we really kicked it up in the second half. I don't know what it would have been like in the first half, but overall for the match, just under seventy percent, um, which you know, considering the conditions, to only be running at um, three percent below our season average. Uh, probably not bad, um, whereas um, for the Saints, are 6% below their, their average for the year. Uh, if efficiency inside 50 for both clubs, not great. Um, St Kilda at 34%, us at 32. Uh, free kicks at a plus 6 free kick, um, and probably a couple more 50s as well. Again, the umpiring was not fantastic. Um, Hit-outs clearly dominated by St Kilda. Um, Sam Hayes had a tough night, um, which we all really expected. You know, Paddy Ryder was going to dominate, and I think Campbell played okay as well. But Paddy Ryder's just experienced, um, and he, and he took the load on pretty well and, um, and just had that. But we still managed to, um, I think whether it's our boys, um, being pretty experienced with Paddy Ryder as well, we, we kind of, uh, went in with game plan that we, we made up for that a bit too, because when you look at the hit outs in C37 to 12, but clearances overall was only plus four for St. Kilda. So we evened it up in the clearances and then center clearances, was eight to five. So we, we managed to f- get our hands on the ball, um, and find a way to getting, to getting the ball out of the centre as well as just out of the stoppage, um, despite the dominance of, um, of Paddy um, there. So, you know, a, a reasonable effort in this in the sense, despite, and Hayes battled well. He, he provided a battle, which, um, you know, it's, it's, it's his third game coming up against an all-Australian ruckman and one of the best to do it in the last 15 years. Um, certainly a beloved player. And, our, you know, we know how well Paddy Ryder can do his thing. Some ir- irony in that, in the fact that, you know, it was that famous patty to Robbie tap in, no, uh, <laughs> I was going to say 97, t- 2017, um, to get that win against against St. Kilda, Adelaide Oval. So, um, contested possessions were down a bit. Um, I think a lot of that came from the first half, but then, yeah, we, we really stepped it up in getting um, the uncontested ball in the second half was really where we, we won the game quite handily. Um, just being able to move the ball around and, and get um you know a lot of touch and move the ball around with a lot more ease in the second half. I don't know, you know, just that was what, what helped get turn the game a little bit and start chipping back at that score line. Still want to get get a bit more of the contested ball. Um, we still need to find a way to you know especially in those first and it, it really is those starts to the game where we just seem off the boil. Uh, we need to find a way and to to kind of um. Match that intensity at the start of the game, and I guess the slow starts thing is just going to be a thing for a while. I don't know why. Again, there's no answers for me about that, but uh, I do hope that we start seeing a bit more consistency from the off. But um, you know, winning the uncontested by and just getting a lot like a lot of the ball um, still helped turn the match. So you know, the uncontested possessions we uh, sorry contested possessions we were on right on our season average of 136. Um, Saint Kilda 160 for the game, so they were you know winning it around the contest, but we. You know, we were able to get the ball moving and, and find find our free free, you know, kind of get a bit more structure through the middle and and find the free free man and get the ball forward um, in that second half. So, yeah, it marks inside fifty seven to six, pretty even and actually quite surprising um, considering the game the way it was. Uh, that we there was, you know, it was it's below season averages certainly, but um, it was probably you know just it was just a rough game and then we put, we we did let a few go too. You know, he's dropped a couple and. Um, So we could have had a few more, but um, it was the kind of game where, you know, inside 50 stuff isn't going to be great. Um, Yeah. Um, Otherwise, yeah, generally a game that... Sorry, there was one more stat I wanted to... There's not too much else there that I'm I'm really interested in, but um, the interchanges made, we actually... um, Both teams only went into low 60s. St. Kilda was 62, Port was 63. um, Interchanges for the match uh, both both teams well below their average of 70 per game this year. So, um, you know, with 75 available to you, you would have thought in these conditions. But I wonder if with the conditions, uh, teams were trying to, had a bit of a rotational plan to try to um, slow, you know, not make as many and, and keep some in the bank for later in the game um, when things got a little bit hot. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but yet it was surprising to see because there's a lot of games you get to, like I said, ports average for the year 70. And a lot of times when I look, it's... Um, you know, have made, you know, uh, we're only two or three off um, the, the maximum for a game. So um, it was interesting to see both clubs. Um, uh didn't, didn't, uh, were well below what they could have used. They could have made a few more, in the, but they were probably, I think there was maybe a, being that it was a real get in the trenches, get dirty, grind it out kind of result. Um, whether there was a little, and the game was a little bit slower for that. Uh, whether that you know kind of changed the necessity, and and both teams had a bit of a plan around the rotations going into this game. So, yeah, that's the stats. Um, yeah, just one more quick break, and I'll come back and wrap this one up. Yeah, not much to wrap up here. Just overall, pretty stoked with that win. Um, two and zero gives us. Uh, sorry, two and zero in the last couple of weeks. Uh, two and five. Um. The season's still got a long way to go um, to even start talking about, even scraping into the, the you know, we want to... Our, our aim now, I think, with that horrible start to the season, as far as our win-loss record goes, we just want to get into the finals. I think top four's um, a pipe dream at this point, but um, finals is still very much alive. And um, I think I saw someone say that we're, we're a game in percentage outside of the eight, basically, at this point already, just with how results have fallen. So it's not certainly... It's certainly a long way to go in this season. It's still a young season. And the finals are very much... Um, a possibility if we can keep you know get a few a string of wins on the on the board and um certainly a big game this weekend Friday night Adla- Adelaide Oval against um the team that ended our 2021 campaign so there's a lot on the table this week both as you know exercising some demons as well as just getting another win on the board for this this year as well um but overall there's um reasons to be you know, hopeful in the sports side that, you know, win, wins like that. And it's very similar to actually the St. Kilda win last year. You know, we went into the St. Kilda game at Marvel last year and um, some pretty dire straits as far as injuries going. I think that was the game where we didn't have a small forward to choose from. And then Kane Farrell, I think got injured. I think was it that game last year, he got injured as well. Um, so it's, it's, um, you know, so you got to win the tough ones. And we, we missed a couple this year. You know, both the Crows game was a bit of a, a collapse at the end to let them steal that one, and then certainly we got back into the game and almost completed an incredible comeback against, against Carlton, but still lost. And then even this game late on, when St Kilda were piling the pressure on, I thought it, I I was genuinely starting to think about my, you know, the tail for this game it was going to be just another another collapse at the end. And I was, and I still have questions about how we manage manage um, a lead late. But then you know, you, if you actually, you, you know, take off your Take off your roast into glasses and watch watch the AFL as a whole. You know, a lot of the time, it's just how AFL games go. A team it has a close lead at the end, and and um, the other team, you know, goes into hyperactive mode trying to get the lead back. And that's and so you're defending. You're having you're having to defend stoutly, and and certainly we we let the lead slip. But then as soon as we um, as soon as we had the game to chase again, we we got forward and and kicked a couple of you know got a couple of points on the board that got us the win. So. Got to be proud of that and, and, um, you know, for every bit of stick that I'll give Ken Hinckley when I, I, and I try to, I hope people understand, that I try to be as reasonable about it as possible. It's just, it's just criticism, hopefully constructive somewhat. <laughs> uh, I've got to give um, everyone credit and cer- certainly the players deserve a lot of credit for how they, they gutted out a game in some of the most trying conditions that they will experience all in any of the season, as well as the coaching staffer. Preparing um, a game and, and going up there and beating a pretty quality opponent opponent um, so far this year in St Kilda, um, you know they've they've had a, they were going for six wins on the bounce um, and and really and they're in the top four now. I think they actually went up a spot into the end, on the, on the ladder despite losing um, because of the uh, percentage and Sydney losing a, a little bit bigger to Brisbane. So um, yeah a really really an effort to be proud of. Um certainly not a game to to go back and watch over and over again or anything like that. It's not it's not the St Kilda prelim in two thousand and four, certainly no. Um but it's a game to be um to look back on fondly for certain aspects of it. And certainly um my theme for this one is just appreciating the greatness of Robbie Gray. Um and just appreciating a team that's um that's found a way to battle, found a way to win and uh, has now got two wins on the bounce and, and there's some light in the season yet. So yeah. Let's just let's just appreciate Robbie Gray, light a candle for the great man, um, and uh, and and see where where the season can go. Big game coming up against the doggies this week. I'll I'll preview that one in a couple of days. Look out for that one. But uh, until then, um, I'm gonna enjoy a victory beer here. And um, and yeah, thanks for listening. Creed cast out. Can the pair?